Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful just to have communion, uh, you know, together and just think of what Christ has done. I would like to, I should have said this before the service, but I would like to advise you to just share in family format this, uh, you know, and, and pray for each other during this time. Speak good over each other. Speak the truth over each other. In this blood of Jesus is life for us people. You know, I want to tell you, the more I read the scriptures, the more I fellowship with God. It just feels that I want to explode with joy, man. I feel such a happiness, such a joy in my heart on account of what Christ has done for us. And I can't but just want to share it. So I want to just thank you again for uh, slotting into this uh, webcast. For those of you that watch, um, you know, later on even, man, I am so honored to minister to you. I feel just such a passion to do it. And I almost want to say you helped me out because, man, it's almost like a singer that cannot sing or an engineer that cannot design or uh, a, a race car driver that doesn't have a race car. That's how I would feel if I cannot just give expression, express to you and help, help you with whatever God has gifted me with. Now, today I'm going to talk about something that can really um, touch, your, touch your heart. Um, but before I get into that, I would just like to say this. When we, and I want to talk a little bit about social media, I just uh, felt to do that. And, um, you know, I want to just, yeah, listen, I forgot about something. I'm reminded of that now. The social media, and I want to pray for the sick. That's what I said I wanted to do. The social media, when you go on a social media page and you talk and communicate with somebody, I want to just give you advice as members of the web church. Because you go to different pages and different, different places and you speak. The first thing that we do when we comment on a page, if you want to do it effectively, read what the guy says or what the person says and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what he actually believes. What is the belief system? What is, what is behind what he said? Um, now, some people say, but that, that will be judgment or anything like that. I'm not talking about judging the motives of somebody. I'm saying, by what he says, see what he actually believes. Uh, like in the week we, were have, we had a discussion with, uh, uh, I think it's a Roy, I think Smith, I'm not sure what his surname is, but he came on and he, is, um, he calls himself gay, and we had a wonderful uh, conversation, you know, with him on, on my Facebook page. And as I was communicating with him, I just realized that you know, a lot of gay people, for instance, call themselves gay. And people will say, I'm a gay Christian, or I am a gay um, worker, or I am a gay whatever. And, and everything is connected to gay. You know, you can say, I'm a gay doctor, I'm a, I'm a gay accountant, or I'm a gay manager. So, and it's as if, you know, and as I was looking about this, I, I realized that the belief here is, that a person, it's just a law belief. I believe I am what I do. That's all. And then whenever you give your advice, you give your advice in a loving way towards that belief. When we are on social media as web church members and as we go out as a, as a family, you know, we are associated with this web church. And when we do it, let us do it from a perspective where we can actually bring correction to the belief of a person in a in a way that the Bible says we must be um, harmless as a dove and as sly as a snake. 
You know, so you come in in a way that the person doesn't really know what are you doing, but you are addressing the belief and helping that person. At the end of the day, guys, it's not about being right. It's about being effective. Now, I don't say we should be wrong. It's using what is right in a way that we can reach people. The Bible Paul says, you know, I, I, I don't want to just beat the air. I want to do it in an as effective way. I want to preach in such a way that people can actually receive salvation. Um, I just want to say that. Let us be effective. This is just some practical advice I have for you guys. Let us be effective when we talk, when we reach out uh, and, and uh, see the belief. Jesus always spoke to the belief. That's why sometimes he would say things that sounded as if it had nothing to do with what was actually discussed. For it had nothing to do with what was discussed. Jesus reached the person at his level of belief. So, um, which is absolutely awesome. So let us pray and say, Lord, we want to be effective in that way. And then let us just pray for the sick. Um, you know, let's, uh, and, and because I believe you might be sitting here, you've got a lot of pain, going through a hard time, and you might say, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to sit through the service. I've got pain and, and stress and struggles. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that I can stretch forth my hands. And as a web fellowship, as, um, as members, we come together and we gather around the truth of the resurrection. And as we think of this communion we've just had, we thank you for signs, wonders and miracles that can take place today. I pray for people that's got migraine headaches. I pray for people that's got backache. People that's got very bad stomach problems at this moment. People that struggle with sinus infections. Um, uh, uh, cancer, uh, people watching that might have HIV AIDS, sugar diabetes, they just feel uh, like dizzy in their head because of something nauseous. I just feel by your spirit, Father, to do this and I just declare over you healing for your body. People, let's just give it a, a moment and just meditate upon the goodness of God. I also feel by the Holy Spirit to tell you, don't try and believe for healing, just relax. I I'll pray, I'll believe. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Oh, glory to God. I just feel, <laughs> I feel the compassion and the love of God. Hallelujah. Man, I'm overwhelmed by the love of God. <clears throat> Glory to God. Let us get into Ephesians. Now, um, what I'm going to talk about in Ephesians today is the helmet of salvation. Let us read this verse. Then I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to just tell you what I'm aiming at, the conclusion of the message, and then explain it. Uh, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 6 verse 17 says something outstanding. It says, take the helmet of salvation take the helmet of salvation now if we take that if we and listen to what it says here and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god if you your head your thoughts will be protected by the helmet of salvation there you clearly see it the helmet of salvation you know there it is the helmet of salvation if we don't define that salvation, you know, how will we be protected? What is this helmet of salvation? We're going to look at a cross-reference where Paul 
mentioned it also in another place. It says here, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. So we get the helmet of salvation. Here it says, take the helmet of salvation. What is this helmet of salvation? It is the helmet of the hope of salvation. So, but let us who are in the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. Now, um, that is really important to understand when it talks about the hope of salvation. What is the hope of salvation? You might say, but I thought I am saved. The helmet, we call the helmet of salvation. But if we define salvation in what it really is, and we look at another verse in the Bible which explains this helmet of salvation, we will actually see that it is actually the helmet of hope. And this hope is the hope of salvation. And you might say back there, but you're actually splitting hairs over this. Yes, I am. Because I have found that the church was completely ruined through not having hope, the hope of salvation, for we have said that we are already saved. Now you might say, Betty, you are now getting completely off the bus. You were a good grace preacher, but now you are missing it. Listen, guys, all the time you've loved me, you've all the time listened to me, and I have believed this for many years. I just feel that I need to share it with you, and the time has come where people are mature enough in the message of grace to actually understand what I want to share. For this is exceeding great good news that I'm about to share with you. This morning I preached, uh, I preached it in our church and I could just see people coming afterwards. They were just so blessed. You know, you could see life flowing from them. I had a pastor coming from another country. You know, people watch me on the web and whenever, and, and Cape Town is a great tourist destination and when these people come they come and visit my church and he listened to this he says man him and his wife was talking about this just that morning and the previous day saying you know we are we are trying to pray for the sick we don't see them healed or we don't see it working as it's supposed to work and uh, always living with this thing of what is going on what are we doing wrong and that is where all the doctrines of demons start where all the things start of um, you know, what you need to do to get a breakthrough, all the teachings of, of tithing and sowing and reaping and what you need to do to get a financial, all those things found its way into the church because they didn't have the hope of salvation. Uh, salvation was put into the category of the kingdom of God um, or the resurrection has already taken place and it has not. So please bear with me. This is where we are going. So let me say where we are going. I'm going to define salvation as immortality or to have eternal life in human flesh. That's what I'm going to define salvation as. And I'm going to show to you that Jesus Christ came to save us from death. He came to save us from death and then I want to define death. He came to save us from physical death. That's what He came to save us from. Now, you don't have to put it off now. I don't believe that we will live immortal today. I don't believe that. I believe that immortality will manifest in the return of Jesus Christ. 
But if you go and look at what was preached in general in church, a focus on the return of Jesus was a very a, a, a fearsome thing. It was something that was preached and uh, from a fear perspective where, you know, it would just be fear and blood and guts and the Antichrist and all those kind of things. And, and it was a thing that we feared. And even the church, I find the church is most afraid of the return of Jesus Christ. They want to hear about the return of Jesus Christ because the return of Jesus Christ was put inside the category of um, God coming with a vengeance, burning people, destroying people because he was now fed up with man and now he's destroying man and all of that. And then through the, through the, the, the movement, of the Word of Faith Prosperity Gospel movement, what happened was we were taught that the kingdom of God or actually the what was kept for us in the resurrection is now. And then we tried to manifest that would, which would be in the resurrection today and if it doesn't work then the devil can tell us 20 things that we need to do to get it to work and it's never going to work we see some fruit but we don't see all of it it's almost as if we prophesy in part we heal in part we deliver in part it's in part and then because it's in part now it's like oh there's something wrong with you and you better get it right so i'm going to define salvation as immortality that God came to save man from physical death and that's what he came to save us from and in order to get that right I'm going to explain to you what he had to do in order to get that right now when we look at the hope of salvation it clearly states that we are still hoping for it I'm not saying that we are not experiencing salvation today there are certain things that we are saved from and we are experiencing what we call the first fruits of salvation. We can go and read that in Romans 8. But we are still in the place where we hope. The Bible even talks about the hope of righteousness. Um, and this, and which actually looks as if we have not been made righteous, but we shall be made righteous. And then there's other places where it talks about the righteous. And the other place talks about that we shall be made righteous. Or a hope of righteousness, where it says we, righteousness sh shall still come to us. And that confuses people a lot of the time. And the reason why that confusion is there is because we've made the gospel to be saved from hell and not to be saved from physical death. And we had the gospel as a fire escape where the, the whole message was that God is going to destroy the planet and after destroying the planet, He will take us all to heaven and we will forever be with God in heaven. I've got news for you. God did not make heaven as the place where man would abide forever. God made earth for man. God made earth for man. Now you might say, Bertie, I don't agree with you. Just listen to my logic. When God made the heaven and the earth, it was not his second plan. It was his first plan. It was not uh, 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 and, and heaven then plan B. No, God's got one plan, plan A. And that is to have a human being on the planet which would have a body that finds its life from the glorious report of who God is and so forever live with God. He created a being spirit soul and body which is called a human you are not a spirit 
You are a human that consists out of spirit, soul, and body. You are one. Like the Bible says, Behold, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. But we know God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and you cannot define God outside of the three. In the same way, you can never define yourself just as spirit. No. You are a human. You are incomplete without a physical human body. Um, and what God's plan is, is for you to have a body that can give expression to what's going on in the Trinity. So when he made Adam and Eve, he didn't just make Adam, he made Adam and Eve. For one human being can never give full expression to what is in the Trinity. For you have to be more than one. For there is Father and Son in the Holy Spirit in the Trinity. Then that being must have the ability to reproduce. For God has got the ability to create after His own kind, and we also have to have that ability to be able to give full expression to what is in the Trinity. We had to have that ability to be a being that can actually co-share in all that is alive in God. Uh, we have to have that ability to actually... The Holy Spirit had to bring forth a being like that so that He could bring forth what was in the Trinity. Now, what I've just said can boggle your mind, but church, please listen and just push through with this and listen, hear me out until the end. God's plan was with earth. He, he didn't, his plan was not to make earth for a while and then go to heaven. No, his plan was always earth. We read in Romans chapter 8 that creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God so that creation can have the same incorruptibleness, if you want to call it like that, or uh, immortality, if you want to call it like that, as what we have uh, in, in our bodies in the return of Christ. People, we must realize that when we die and we go to heaven, we receive what, what we would call a spiritual body in heaven. That would be a place that we will where we will be in a certain spiritual form with God. But that body we receive there is not what is called immortality. The Bible clearly says uh, in 1 Timothy 6, I think it is, it says that Jesus Christ, the only immortal. There's only one immortal and that is Jesus. Immortality is not defined as having eternal life. Immortality is defined as having a human body that gives full expression to the glorious opinion that God has about you in Jesus. There's only one being that has that. Everybody that has previously died are still, they died without receiving the promise. And the promise is an immortal human body. Now, in order for us to have, or to, to, in order for us to have that body, Jesus had to do certain things. To explain what he had to do, I've got to explain to you how we died. And all of this is about the helmet of salvation. Now people, what I'm preaching here, I haven't heard being preached um, about the helmet of salvation ever. Not that I'm saying I am leading with some doctrine. I've heard it preached before. I, I stand corrected. I heard the Apostle Paul preach it. And we are reading what the Apostle Paul preached. So it was preached before by the Apostle Paul. But I haven't heard it in recent history. In the last 20 years that I've been in church and the, and the recorded stuff that we can maybe hear from the early 20s, uh, 30s, I haven't heard this preached. So, uh, but it's not that it's not the gospel. And the reason why this is preached, like, I've said, like I'm preaching this, or the reason why I preach this, 
is simply because we want people to be protected against legalism and the law and the death that comes with it. Right. How did man fall? God said to Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For what that tree will cause you, or the cause of that, or what it will bring forth in you, is death. So if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? It was not an apple tree. It was not a fig tree. It was no physical tree. Because Jesus is called the tree of life. We are called trees of righteousness. The Pharisees were called trees with roots. And then John the Baptist said the axe is at the root. And these trees are going to be cut down. What are you talking about? He was talking about belief systems. He was talking about certain persuasions. That's what he was talking about. And there was a tree that said, if I have knowledge of the good, if I behold the good, if I mimic the good and do the good, then I can have life by the good I do and by the good that comes forth in my life. I can have a glorious report about myself and that glory can manifest life in me, which is a lie. So when Adam and Eve started to believe in their own ability, um, what happened there was they started, not just started, they died. How did this death take place? When God made man, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What is this good works? This good work that was prepared beforehand, how was it prepared beforehand? The way God lived was what he prepared for us. What I mean by that is that we have been made to be a being that can behold the living God as the Father of us. And when we behold Him as our Father, as our brother, as our Lord, as the truth from where we come, and we can behold that as the truth and be persuaded of it, we will find the glorious report that we behold will give life to us through emotions of peace, joy. We will first have a first fruit. The first fruit will be peace, joy, uh, kindness, meekness, temperance, knowledge, the Spirit of the Lord. We will have a life in our emotions from that. And that then will manifest in our physical bodies as uh, eternal life or immortality wherein we will not have the ability to die like what we see in Jesus. That is what God's plan, that's how He made man. Now, if you want to kill man, what you need to do is... You first, you have to use that pattern. You have to change the source from where he draws life. When you change the source from where he draws life, the next thing that will happen is foreign emotions and thoughts will come to his mind. Things that he was not designed for. The first fruits of the wrong belief will come forth. What is the first fruit? The first fruit of the wrong belief is fear. Guilt. We see it in Adam and Eve. What was the first thing Adam felt? He felt guilty. What happened when this guilt took over his life? We find his body dies. It was 900 years later, but his body dies. So what God wants for us is, He wants, He doesn't see you as separate from your body. He sees you as a unit. 
And if He wants to bring salvation to you, He needs to say, what must I do to bring complete salvation to man? That means I need to save His physical body from physical death. How will He do that? He needs to end the contract that Adam cut with himself, wherein he said, I will live by what I do. He needed to end that. You must remember, I know this is technical people, but just hear me out. When Adam fell, everybody born after Adam only beheld a man that lived in works. And nobody could behold a man, a physical human, that lives and is alive by the glory of God. Nobody could see a human in whose face the glory of God shines that's immortal. Nobody could see that. Because Adam died and there was no such a man. Then Jesus Christ came and in order for him to save us, or, or, I'm interrupting myself, since there wasn't such a man and the only belief system by which we could live is by what we saw in Adam, which was the system that wherein we find life by what we do, the, the moment that happened, everybody was condemned unto death, even if you didn't sin in the similitude of Adam's sin, because we we couldn't behold a truth about ourselves which would, be, which, was, which would be a glorified human. There was no such a truth. For that man fell. When that happened, everyone after Adam lived with guilt, obligation, an emotion of I must do to become. And what did that bring forth in a human body? Death. Death. That's what it brings forth. Then Jesus Christ came. He incarnated Himself into that sinful flesh, the flesh of Adam. He came as the Son of God, representing that flesh. He ended the law system. He died it away. All the sin and death that could come forth in that body died in that body when Jesus died. When he, and then this happened. He was raised from the dead. And Jesus wasn't just raised from the dead people. My goodness, He wasn't just raised from the dead. The raising of the dead is something that was included in what happened to Him. He was glorified. His physical body was glorified. And when His physical body was glorified, he, a man is seated at the right hand of God. And when a physical human being is seated at the right hand of God, the following took place. The law was taken away so that we don't have to live by the law anymore. When the law is taken away, the effects of the law is taken away, which is sin and death. And since sin is taken away, and Jesus could rule and judge against sin in fulfilling the law, what happens now? Now we've got the glorious hope of salvation. What salvation? The salvation of our body, where we will be saved from death. Jesus didn't come to save you from the devil. He came to save you from physical death. And in order to take physical death out of your life, what did He have to do? He had to take away the sting of death, which is what? Which is sin. And the power of sin is the law. So when He takes away the law, He takes away the sting of sin because the sin loses its power. And what can happen now? We can be saved from physical death. That's what can happen. And how will this take place? As we behold, as we see the Lord. Because when we behold Him, then we are changed 
into the very same image as from one kind of a glory into, the, into a different kind of a glory. Now we're going to go, please people, I'm talking about the helmet of salvation here. Let's go now to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. And we're going to go to verse, and I think it's 13. Let's first go to verse 1. And I'm running out of time. Uh, I think I was 15 minutes left here. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. So, what does it say here? There's a law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The word Spirit also means life principle or vital principle. There's a law of the spirit or the principle of life that there is in Christ. What's the principle of life? That Jesus conquered physical death and was raised up in a physical human body and that we will be in the likeness of his resurrection and he has begotten us unto a living hope through the resurrection. Okay, now it says here that we get the law of, the, the law of sin and death and the law of life. So, there's the law of sin and death, and there's the law of life. What is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death says this, should you walk in sin, you'll die. Should you not be a partaker of the quality of God's life by living under the law, you'll die. That's what it says. But the new law says, since a man is raised from the dead, and we are now made citizens of our home, the home country of faith, through faith, we've got access into this grace. What will this grace do? This grace overpowers sin in our life. And by the grace of God, He brings forth the first fruit of the Spirit. The first effect of the Spirit. The, let me explain first fruit. When Adam sinned, the first fruit of the Spirit of death, or the Spirit of the law, was guilt, condemnation, and we see it further going murder, drunkenness and all those kind of things happening as the time went on the first fruit of the flesh the first fruit of living by the law is murder drunkenness sexual immorality and all those kind of things where your identity is finding your works in the very same way when we enter the spirit of god the spirit of the resurrected man and, and in three sundays from now i'm going to talk about the spirit and what the spirit is when we enter that you know what happens we start to see the first effects of that spirit, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness, temperance, faith. And even if we should see fruit of, the, fruit of the flesh, Jesus has ruled against sin and denied sin its right to kill us. And now, as we have this new spirit, it raises us up with first fruits and latter fruit. The latter fruit that we expect is immortality. That's what we expect. People... We need to know that we, what happened in Christ, in His death, we died with Him. We raised with Him. Yet we don't see the resurrection manifesting in us as in Him, for we are not seeing our physical bodies immortal. But we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Church of God, as a pastor that loves you, I want to protect you against certain wrong doctrines. There are doctrines that says there's no physical resurrection of Christ anymore. It's all about just sweet love. We just love each other and in heaven we will just love. Listen, 
The love of God is beautiful and wonderful, but the end of it is He loved us so much that He will give us immortal human flesh. And the physical body is very important. Uh, it's imp and the reason why it's important is that God will take this body and make it immortal. There's some people that say, after you've died, you are now partakers of the resurrection. You are not. There's only one immortal. It's Christ. Neither Elijah, neither uh, uh, Enoch, they are not immortals. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, Jesus Christ, the only immortal. They are still awaiting the promise that we wait for. And that we are expecting the hope of salvation, which is a physical, immortal human body, which would be on account of the fulfillment of the law, Him taking the law away, Him fulfilling, taking away all sin, Him making the Spirit that raised Him from the dead available for us, that Spirit bringing forth the first fruit in us, and that Spirit that will make us immortal one day. Now you might say about you, why, why is this so important? It's very important because if we don't see this, we're going to have, uh, our minds are going to become crazy. And I'm going to explain this to you, why I say that. Why, why it will make our minds uh, uh, crazy. But first of all, we have the hope of salvation. Let us look at that in Ro uh, uh, Romans again. Romans 8. People, I'm going to preach on this for a, a few Sundays, you know, or many Sundays, so this can come clear to you. Listen to what he says here. And please know that when he talks about life and death in Romans 8, it doesn't talk about just spiritual life and death. It talks about physical life and death. And I'll prove it to you. This is what it says. For I reckon that the suffering... Oh, sorry. Um, this... For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. So we have received the spirit of adoption. People, that's very important. We have received the spirit of adoption. We need to understand what the adoption is. We're going to look now at what the adoption is. And because of a wrong understanding of adoption, wherein we say that we were actually uh, children of the devil, but God adopted us. Oh, glory to God, we're an adopted child. No, no, no. An adopted child always looks for his original father. Who's his real father? We're not adopted in that way. Hebrew adoption doesn't work that way. Hebrew adoption, you are a legitimate child and then when you are adopted is when he declares to the whole world that you are the child by giving you the signing rights to the business. That's what it actually is, where, you, where he actually declares that the fullness of him is now in you. So, our adoption would be when we are made immortal. Now, you might say you differ from me. Well, let's see what the scripture says. Let's go to, um, again, back to... And if you are children and heirs, we've got the spirit of adoption. That's what we have. The spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we already have that spirit by which we shall be adopted. And I'm going to explain this. Listen, listen to me. The, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. So we now see the Holy Spirit bringing forth the first fruit in us. And that confirms our sonship. And if children, then heirs... Heirs of God, 
and joint heirs with Christ. That means what he inherited in his resurrection is exactly what we're going to inherit. If so be that we suffer with him, that we might also be glorified together. That means if we continue in the faith and don't give up on believing the gospel and go to another faith when we are persecuted for righteousness, believing until the end. That's what it means. For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature or creation waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. That also means the adoption of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity not willingly, but by reason of him that has subjected the same in hope. Verse 21. Because the creature itself shall also shall be delivered from the bondage of the corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So it says nature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God or the declaration of who these sons of God are so that when we are adopted as sons, then it goes on, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves, we who are Christians, we have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we, even we that are already seeing the Spirit confirming the sonship in us, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. What is this adoption? The redemption of our body, for we are saved by hope. Do you see the hope of salvation? What is the salvation? The redemption of our body. So we have a hope that we shall be made immortal in the return of Christ. For what a man sees, what, uh, sorry, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for it? So what he's saying is, we've still got hope. We have not received this immortal body. We have not received the adoption of sons, which is the redemption of the physical body. We are children of God. We've always been children of God. Now, our sonship can be shown forth in immortality since we've believed and received the Spirit of God. Now it goes on. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we, are, for we, not, we do not know what we should pray. And then it goes on. Um, I want to find the place where it says, here it is, verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. And that is what I am trying to get at, the helmet of the hope of salvation. Now, people, let me summarize and say what I want to say. If you believe that you are already immortal now or you have the fullness in body now, you are in for law, my brother. You are in for guilt and condemnation that you will not be able to handle. What Paul said here, he said this, he said, I am groaning in myself. Creation groans. I groan. We all groan. For what? For the adoption. What is the adoption? The hope of salvation. What are we hoping for? The redemption of my body. Why? The Bible says, hope again in Peter. We have been 
He has begotten us unto a new and living hope through the resurrection. So what is our hope? That we will be in the likeness of His resurrection. What is the likeness of His resurrection? This is the likeness of His resurrection. Number one, we'll be raised from all the death that comes forth spiritually in us and in our mind, psychologically. We'll be, we'll be delivered from hatred, bitterness, the fruit of the flesh, and all those kind of things. But another part of the likeness of the resurrection is this. Let's look at the resurrection of Christ. When Mary went to His grave, could she find bones after the resurrection? No. Oh, but Jesus got a spiritual body. Let me explain the spiritual body. Jesus said, don't touch me now. Why? For you could touch His body. Then He came back after presenting Him to the Father and He said, touch me. A spirit doesn't have flesh and blood and, or flesh and bone. I am not a spirit, I am a human, and this body is fully saved from death. And what you see here, you can expect for yourself. And I will return one day, and in the resurrection, those who died in Christ shall be raised first. And when they are raised from the grave, they'll be in the likeness of the resurrection. The dead will, the, 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 the graves will give up the dead. What it means is, we will be so much in the likeness of the resurrection that you will not find bones. You will find an immortal human flesh that's alive on account of the glory you behold and it will the spirit we behold will glorify this body and it will be called a spiritual body meaning it's a physical body that finds its origin in the spirit uh, the spirit of the lord the spirit of grace where now we are a physical body uh, or which find still find some life from legalism and law we see the first fruit, but we will see the latter rain, which is the return of Christ, and we will see the physical glorification in our bodies. Now, if we have that hope, what does it mean? The hope of salvation protects our minds in this way. Should we not see perfection now, like for instance, nakedness, peril, or the sword, we will just say, well, you know, our bodies, we are still hoping for immortality. We're not having it now. So everything where the devil comes and where he tells you, look at your shortcomings, look at this fruit of the flesh, look at that, look at that in your life, you will say, well, you know, I acknowledge that I'm not living in a glorified body. I'm just enjoying the first fruit of the Spirit. And when I do see shortcomings, when I do see people die in a motor car accident, when I do pray for people and I don't see all people healed, then I say, well, the reason why I don't see all people healed, the reason why I, why I prophesy in part, the reason why is because I am still having the hope of perfection in the flesh. So I'm not going to be thrown, um, you know, by not seeing perfection in the flesh. And what has happened, and this is my conclusion, we have gone through the Word of Faith movement and we have said that we have abused the gift of healing by saying that we need to bring forth this kind of a, perfect health and perfect everything, you know, uh, and if we don't bring it forth, it means there's something wrong with us. No, no. Paul comes and he says, and let me read it, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Distress. Here he says, I'm in distress. When I'm in distress, 
It doesn't separate me from the love of God. I still feel I am loved. Why? Because why, wherein is His love shown? I see the resurrected Christ. That is my hope. And now I groan. I go through these things. I mean these things. Yet in all these things, I'm now more than a conqueror for what I am in cannot define me anymore. For I'm not sitting under a message that says, create perfection now. And if you don't create perfection now, then you are, there's something wrong with you. People, I've seen over 20,000 miracles happen in crusades over Africa. I've seen a man's hand with the size of a child's hand grow out to the normal size of a normal man's hand. I've seen miracle upon miracle. I've seen a dead man being raised. I've had the experience of traveling in time, no, not in time from one place to another place. I don't know what you call it in English. I've, I've had that happen to me. I've seen all those kind of things. But let me tell you, after seeing all those kind of things with a belief system that says we must have everybody healed in every message we, pre we preach. We must have perfection in the flesh now manifest through the gifts of the Spirit. It always leaves you with a voice. What about the person that was born without legs that doesn't have legs? What about the hospitals that are flooded with sick, with the sick? You see, church, you're not good enough. You must, produce, you must bring forth all this. That's accusation, and we have our mind attacked because we're not living in the hope of salvation. For um, the Bible clearly says, Timothy, in Timothy, it says, there are those that preach the resurrection has already taken place. What they want to preach is the perfection that will happen in immortality today, and what it will bring forth is an accusation. It will bring forth... A thing that says there's something wrong with you you're not believing right you've got small faith what's wrong with you I'm not saying we should we, we're not having gifts I mean I've just prayed for the sick expect healing signs and wonders but I'm saying even in the midst of all these miracle signs and wonders you know what we still don't have the salvation that God intended for us that will happen when in the return of Christ what must we do about that Romans 8 we patiently wait for it and we enjoy the first fruit now. Glory to God. This is absolute good news. Now what if you are sick? The Bible says let him there sick. Let him somebody lay hands on him. Let him pray. Expecting what? Healing. But let me tell you. Everybody Jesus healed when he was on the earth. At the end of the day died. Every dead he raised died. And I can tell you now. Most. I, I can't say this for a fact. But I guess. 95% of the people Jesus healed when He was on the earth died of some sickness of some sort. And does that mean that Jesus is not successful? No. Because we've got the hope of salvation. All God wants to do now is get as many people to have the Holy Spirit in them through believing in this Spirit that is made available for when they believe it, the Spirit enters their physical body. And when that physical body is entered through the Spirit, before they die in this world, then that body will have the Spirit that's got access to that body to raise it up into immortality in the return of Christ. That is why we preach now. Glory to God. And that's why people need to believe in this life to have immortality in the time when Christ returns. Well, glory to God. I said a lot of technical things. Guys, God bless you. I love you. Know that you are precious. Know that you are loved by God. Know that He shines over you and that He blesses you with, an, with a hope of salvation. So let us put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. Glory to God. If you've got any questions, please feel free to email it to info at dynamicministries.com. 
God bless you guys. I also want to thank everybody that is, um, I should have done it last Sunday as well. I forgot about it, guys. Thank you for everybody that contributes financially to Dynamic Love Web Church. Again, those of you that give, um, the way I receive my money is this way. If you want to give towards the ministry, you just go to the donate page. You click donate and you put in their web church. If you want to give to me as a person, um, you just put in their Bertie Brits and that's how it works. Uh, and whatever comes in there, that's how I live and that's how we run this ministry. Thank you for those of you that has given. There are some people that's given uh, good amounts of money. Thank you for that. You are an absolute blessing. And if people just giving faithfully, you know, people giving $10 a month, $20 a month, 50 rand a month and all those kind of things. Thank you so much. It enables me to study the word a lot and to preach this message like I'm doing. Thank you guys. God bless you.